2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. Are we starting the podcast now? Or? Oh, we've been on the podcast, my brother. <laughs> Yo, what's up? Welcome to the Death to Life podcast. I'm Richard Young. And today is our 20th episode, which is exciting. I don't know. It's kind of a milestone. And uh, really excited for you to hear it. Uh, but before we get into the podcast, I wanted to tell you about uh, the the Death to Life Bible Studies, Bible Study, which is on Tuesdays at 1.30 Central Time, uh, 1.30 p.m., obviously, Central Time. If you are open at that time, we would love to have you. Uh, this Bible Study is being ran by myself and that brother, Tyler Morrison. And we've only had one so far, and we, um, man, we're just pleased that people were able to show up. But I want to invite anyone who is listening that is open at one thirty p.m. Central Time on Tuesdays. Uh, if you want any info on this, hit me up uh, on Instagram or text me or Facebook or uh, whatever, and I'd love to have you join. Uh, Love Reality started, I think. <laughs> six or seven Bible studies this last week. There's one more starting this week. Um, and so there is one on every single day of the week that if you're interested in a Bible study, you can join. Uh, and there, I, I think I went to five out of six, at least. Uh, love it. Uh, I can't get enough. Um, so like I said, if you're interested in a Bible study, um, let us know and we'll get you hooked up with the right people. So there is there is so much stuff going on right now. Um, we're seeing so much. Just God is moving. The Spirit is moving in a crazy, crazy way. And it's incredible. Um, so, hey, today's podcast guest is me. It's your boy. It's Rich. And I'm excited to... to for you to hear my story. I, we've talked about my story a lot on the podcast, but not really, I've never really told it. Um, and so this is kind of my first time telling my story. And um, 
that there might be some stuff that's maybe not great for young ears. I'm not, I can't remember. Just use your discretion and your, uh, <laughs> your discernment. Um, but I, you know, God has changed my life and this is how. And so I'm excited uh, for you to hear it. Uh, so with that all being said, buckle up, strap in for episode 20 of the Death Alive podcast with uh, with me, Richard Young. Love you guys. Appreciate you. Yo, Richard, are you about to do the podcast? We've known each other how long? Uh, known each other since uh, 1999. So tell something like that. Tell the people how we first met. Uh, on the basketball court, we, we were hooping. And we were hooping. Uh, you were the BMOC, the big man on campus at Ozark Academy. And I was the freshman on the team at Midland Adventist Academy. And we I probably yeah. met you at Sunnydale, probably at Sunnydale when we were 1999. Yeah, that that. Uh, yeah, so we played, we played high school ball against one another. Uh huh. And what was what was what were you like back then, man? 1999, 2000. What was what was your whole sense of your person? Because I remember meeting a rich that was uh, very at least attempting to be cool. Now that I look back. But you were really just just chill, like the cool dude. Like, oh, okay, Richard, you okay? Yeah, I played somebody. I played a certain person um, for a large a large portion of my life, and the person I was playing was. Uh, I wanted to be tougher and cooler than who I actually was. Like who I actually like, I wanted to come off like I wasn't that smart. I wanted to come off like I wasn't a goody two shoes, and that I really, really, really cared what my parents thought about everything. Like that's how I wanted to come off, and I think I did. But who I actually was, like my home that I grew up in, my parents are, my mom's very strict, and my dad uh-huh. goes along with, you know, he. He's a laid-back cat, but when it comes down uh-huh. to it, he gets pretty strict, too. And uh-huh. so our lives were, like, disciplined. Like, mm-hmm. discipline was a big thing. You know, my mom is Central American, and my, my dad is just as white as they come. But Now, when the, you say discipline, you mean I'm hearing, I'm hearing more like your life was regimented, not so much like your life was always under the hand of getting smacked in the behind. 
Oh, I mean, when I was a little kid, I was. My mom always says that I was a really good, sweet little boy. And then when we <laughs> moved to Kansas City, and I met my friend Michael Paradise, she said it changed. <laughs> Because Wait, why are you gonna put, why are you gonna put the man on blast like that? Uh, this is, he knows it. It was because the rest of my life, like all I wanted to do was make him laugh. And listen, like, shout out I, to Michael Paradise, who's a pastor, a man of God, yeah, yeah family this is his leader. Fault. Yeah, th- yeah, this like is, he's this just, is his yeah. fault. And so I just tried, like, and I was in the sixth grade. You know, you're going into middle school, and so you're getting all these feelings. But I just wanted to make this dude laugh. And then I wanted to be on the basketball team. Basketball became like this this huge thing to me. So I left this sweet little boy persona, which it wasn't a persona. It was who I was. And I yeah. started wanting to become this thing. And so, um, yeah, I was wanting to be cool, knowing that I was actually a very obedient son. Like, out of... I don't think my brother and sister will be mad if I say this. Um, out of all of the kids, I was the mm-hmm. most obedient. Like if my mom says something, I'm going to do it exactly the way she says it. And I'm mm-hmm. going to live that way. And like this this was just who I was. Like I don't want to mm-hmm. disappoint my parents. I don't want to go against my parents. My parents, because they had a beautiful marriage, they're they were raising their kids and and we all seemed to stay out of trouble and we were doing really well. And so I just believed as a kid in what they were doing. But then when Mm -hmm. it comes to being on the court or if it comes to playing basketball or, and Mm -hmm. as you're getting older, that's not it. You know, (laughs) you're not like, you're not, um, you're not tough as the kid who's just like a mama's boy and always wanting to do what your Mm -hmm. parents say. So that was, who I was, I had never done anything. I never dated any girls through mm-hmm. high school. I never, like 1999, I was just a sweet, innocent kid. And some of my friends, they would get into stuff and I'd be like, you're going to do that? Why are you going to do that? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you that. sound like the uh, gingerbread man from Shrek? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was. Don't not do the go, not the Not the gum drops. Gum drop buttons. The principal will find out and get mad, and or my mom will find out. <laughs> oh, I always knew my mom was going to find out. That was another thing, because my mom always found out. And maybe it's because like, I just couldn't tell a lie either. I've, I don't think I've ever yeah. really lied to my parents. And so... So it sounded like you were super conscientious, but you were also conscious that you were an obedient boy, and that at some point, did you try to separate from that? sense of self or you were like oh man i, I want to add something to richard i want to be not just obedient but i want to be cool yeah what i really enjoyed was having you think something about me that was completely not true and like so like for for example in college um i got solid grades but i came off like i didn't get solid grades um so much to the point where because I was on the basketball team and I was super cocky, I don't say super cocky, I was just confident, but you know, it came across in how I carried myself that that made people think a certain thing about me. Like, Oh, they thought you were cocky. (laughs) That was right. But they thought I was into girls. Like (laughs) I was getting a ton of like that. I had fooled around with a bunch of girls in high school and that this is who I was. 
and it couldn't have been farther from the truth. But I didn't mind mm. them thinking that about me. I was like, mm. yeah, you can think that about me because joke's on you. Like, like I, I saw all my friends who were into that and like it didn't bring happiness at all. And mm -hmm. in my mind, I was like, I'm going to do it the right way. I am going to do mm -hmm. it the right way. And like I was just confident that the right way would win out. And because I mm -hmm. was doing the right thing that I could be like this over here and compete and mm -hmm. be cocky and do all of this. But my, my life was actually really together, even though you didn't think so. So does why that was sense? that? A yeah, it does. It does. Why was this? It sounds like it was important for you, or at least it played a role for you to have people believe that you were way more chill or you weren't as rigid as you really were on the inside. You were projecting. On the other side, I'm cool. I, 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 I'm not really a study. Like I'm just like yeah. that. That played a. Why, why did that play a significant role? Because it isn't cool. Because <laughs> it. <laughs> it isn't cool to do what your parents say, bro. It isn't cool. <laughs> it, it isn't cool to. Uh, like in high school, the guy that's cool is the guy who pulls all the girls. In high school, the guy that's cool is the guy who, like, if we're, like, defining cool, part of probably one of the main elements of coolness is caring yeah. less. Caring less. Okay. Like, you never saw someone who was, like, as you're thinking of the word cool, who just, like, really cared. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy who's cool doesn't care. And so, yeah, it's not cool to care about what your parents say. It's not cool to really try to get good grades. It's not cool to, you know, be in a relationship and do it the right way. Those yeah. things aren't cool. And so yeah. I didn't mind if people didn't know that thing about me. But, I mean, it messed with my reputation. What my did reputation. that look like? Um, yeah, for example, when, uh, when I met my wife... Uh, her sister told me out of all the guys to date at Union College, I was the last one. And mm. someone had started something that I had broken up with my girlfriend previous because she wouldn't sleep with me. Mm. And it couldn't have been farther from the truth. But you were projecting but, this sort of coolness. Well, it's just because of basketball. Like on the mm. basketball court, I was a savage. Like I was going to, I would talk to you. I would tell you all about how I'm going to do this. And I'm like, you can't stop me. And so like in college, <laughs> we get to know people for how we get to know them. And the guys in college, mm -hmm. if they weren't in class with me or they, they weren't on my hall. They knew me from the court. And if we weren't on the same team, you're not going to like me. And so mm -hmm. whether I was a really great player, I, I was at the school I was at, I was at union and I was solid for there. And so, um, they knew me from that. And like I had people come to intramural basketball games just to root against me. Like didn't have a <laughs> just just they wanted me to lose because of this persona that I had. That happened even while I was working at Union. Like I had people yeah. like people want me to lose because of how I carried myself. Mm -hmm. Which is but that doesn't really break into what was actually going on with me and the stuff I was actually 
dealing with. Yeah, so what's going on on the inside? Because on the outside, it sounds like you're trying to project cool person who can't be touched. I'm so, like, above the fray, right? But I want everybody to think I'm this sort of way. But on the inside, it sounds like something else is going on. And as I'm hearing this, the word that comes to mind is (laughs) double-mindedness. Well, on the inside, coming into college, my main concern was to get it right and to not mess up. Um, with, with relationships. And I, I thought, I, I knew I was going to get through college fine. I wasn't really concerned with my grades or anything, or even with my future, like what my job would look like. I don't think I thought about that much in, in mm-hmm. college, but I was really concerned with getting the relationship aspect of it right. And, and when you say relationship, you mean with people or with uh, with a female? woman, with a female? Yeah, with a woman. Okay, okay. Because okay. I respected my parents' marriage so much, I respected it, and they, you know, their story—they did everything the right way. And because I was this, you know, really respectful of them, and I just wanted to obey, and I wanted them to be proud of me. Um, I went in and I'm like, okay, I want to get this thing right. And I came into college kind of heartbroken over uh, a situation in high school and I was trying to get over it. And um, what actually happened my first year of college is I got into a relationship and yeah, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. Who broke whose heart? Oh man, we broke each other's heart, to be honest. Um, But the thing that tore me up the most is that I, 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 it ended up that I was, I became something that I never thought I was going to become in my mind. Because I, well, I crossed certain lines that I never thought I would cross. Because Mm. we were, we were, in a, in this relationship and to be just fair, we were both great people, but we weren't great for each other. Like we just didn't vibe in that way. Um, how I'm thinking about it in in that time. And, um, a lot of the time, if you're, if that's not going well, um, you'll resort to something else. And, um, we crossed, we didn't cross the ultimate line, but enough for me to say, Oh, Richard, you're, you're this person like you. All right. So let me, let me see if I'm hearing you correctly. Yeah. Richard conceives of himself as somebody who's going to do it the right way. He's informed by his parents, great marriage and their commitment to doing it the right way. You have a relationship where you're thinking this is the way you're going to operate. Mm-hmm. But since you guys aren't compatible in certain ways, you substitute that compatibility with crossing the line physically, it sounds like. And you end up doing things you didn't think that good boy Richard would ever do. And you have a moment of awakening. Did I read that right? Absolutely. And it okay. was it was heavy. It was heavy. And I, I just carried it with me. And I remember, I'll, I'll, I'll bring up Michael Paradise again. He was kind of the, the <laughs> one person that I told about it. And I was just like, I can't, like I did this thing 
And like, I remember shaking and just saying like, I, I didn't think I was that kind of person. And so there's like this cognitive dissonance, like, well, you didn't think you were that person, but you did it. So maybe you are that Mm -hmm. person. And so Mm -hmm. there was a lot of, of that kind of shame. And then I'm coming into there to, to add another layer to it. I'm coming into college and at home, like I had probably gotten in trouble maybe once or twice for looking at something I shouldn't have been looking at and looking at that www.ishouldbehere.com. Well, that really didn't exist back then. Praise the Lord. Uh, and so, oh, so it was, <laughs> you were flipping through the pages of, I shouldn't have this magazine. Yeah.com. But, but then when college came around, that thing started to exist and okay. like people in the dorm had DVDs or whatever. And so I'm like fighting this battle of, Oh, like, I can't believe those guys have that. That's crazy that they would have that. And then Mm -hmm. the battle of me actually sneaking into their room to get it. And then the Mm. shame that comes with that. And then I remember distinctly me sneaking back into somebody's dorm room to put it Mm -hmm. back. And they just Mm -hmm. busted me just like, ah, rich. Ha ha. Ah, you, (laughs) you, you, okay. And I was just like, like, no, don't know this about me. No, I didn't want to do it in the first place. I don't know why I came down here and, and took it. Like, Sure, so good boy Rich isn't yeah. really as good as good boy Rich thought he was. And then cool boy Rich is now not above the fray. Now he's just in the thick of it. Yeah. Like everybody else that he's been judging. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, dealing with dealing with that going through college um kind of that battle of on the one hand um the LUST I don't want to be a part of this um but now it's coming up on the the internet a little bit easier um yeah. that's tough to but man earnest my heart so earnest trying to stay away from it and then with the relationship like really trying to like 180 degree turn and run the other way from what had happened early on in college uh-huh. just thinking oh richard you're you're not that person even though you yeah. you're not that like but trying to convince myself because i had done what i didn't want to do sure um, so right now i'm getting a composite of somebody who is kind of getting pulled from different versions of himself not really being grounded in one thing trying to be a good boy but participating in that which he never thought he'd participate in but then he's coming off this heartbreak that he didn't think he'd be the sort of dude that would have done what he did in that relationship so all of that right so what what does that look like when you're in college and you meet this woman how does this then affect you meeting a, a very important lady in your life well, I had gotten to this point, this was my last semester in college, and I'd gotten to this point to where, like, junior year, my dad and I are driving home, and he's like, you're done. You're done dating, because there was another girl I dated, and her heart got broke. It was it was just bad. My heart was like, our hearts were, were hurting, and he was like, you don't know how to handle this, son, and until you know how to handle this, you shouldn't be dating anybody, because you're just going to hurt other people, and you're going to hurt yourself. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know. And so then first semester of my senior year, I do student teaching. Like I almost get kicked out of the program. Like I like I was not 
like I didn't care about it up until then. And then I'm like, now I got to really be a student teacher. And it was just difficult. And Mm -hmm. then I meet this girl the first month of my last semester of college. And I'm just like, like, I wish it was more, um, there was more depth to this, but I was like, yo, she is fly. Like she Mm -hmm. is. And the way she was just carrying herself, like, she did not care about me. She just did not mm-hmm. care about me. And I just, I just desperately wanted to date her. And then like, I'm finding out more and more about her. And like, she had just like gotten away from like a really bad relationship. And the more I'm finding out about her and then like the way she's treating me, like she's mean. She's like, she is mean. Mm-hmm. And, I remember I'm in my boy Polite's room and we're talking and I'm just like, man, I'm not, I'm not going to date her. And he was like, Rich, shut up. You know, you're going to date her. And actually that, what he said actually was like, well, maybe I am going to maybe like, he kind of gave me a green light. And it's kind of like back then, like my, what my boys thought was super, super important to me. And so Mm -hmm. he's like, Rich, you know, you really like her. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe he's right. And maybe, maybe I'm just like this meanness thing was just like, it was hurting me. Cause like I said, I'm the innocent little, you know, sweet, sweetheart of a kid. And Natalie was just a savage. She, like, it sounds like Natalie wasn't really too impressed with your cool and that not, attracted you. <laughs> not at all. I remember like I used to put my hands, I'm like, Ike, like, what's up? Like that. And she was like, mm-hmm. why are your arms up? Just like put me on blast. <laughs> She's like, why are your arms up? And I was just like, gum, like I can't. And so after that, I just went like full court press. Like I was like, I'm just going to demand that she goes out with me. I'm just going to keep on. Going. She knew she knew you weren't as cool as you wanted to portray yourself as. Oh, huh? yeah. She she was the least impressed oh, person boy. of all time. The least impressed yeah. person of all time. And so. But then as we're talking, you know, she, she lets me get, you know, she kind of gives me some time of day and, you know, I just all I needed was my foot in the door and I was just going to just uh-huh. keep it there and, and make sure it got open. And she saw like this earnest kid that I was. She saw this, uh-huh. this sweetheart of a, of a guy who like just really that I was different and uh-huh. she had this like I said, this previous relationship that was like, the guy was the opposite. And so she started to, she wanted to trust me. And so Mm -hmm. she was like, maybe I can trust him. And so we're going on in this relationship. And our main problem is that we can't get along. (laughs) We were really love being around each other, but Mm -hmm. we couldn't get along. Why? Uh, Part of it was like, yeah, my mom has never in her life spoken to my dad in any kind of disrespect, ever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was getting that kind of like the way she was talking to me on like a daily or weekly kind of thing where I just was like shook. Like, why did you Mm -hmm. say that to me like that? Like, like, Mm -hmm. my heart couldn't handle it. And so... Mm -hmm we would get into these arguments um, 
on like what why how why can you talk to me like this and then because like i knew exactly how a relationship should go mm-hmm. like and if she was like out super late i would trip out i'd be like well, why why are you mm-hmm. out so late like are there other you know like i just didn't know what to do cuz i had no control i had no control mm-hmm. it wasn't going the way i had seen it in my mind and mm-hmm. yet we were still really attracted to each other. We still really wanted to be mm-hmm. around each other to the point where we almost broke up once. And mm-hmm. it was just like, yo, we, we might not, this might not work because my mom, now, I know that. Go ahead. No, I, I know that you're going to end up, you know, discussing this a lot more in a future podcast. I don't want to take too much thunder from that, but it just sounds like, uh, to me that y'all's relationship or at least your your side of what you're saying is that you needed some sort of affirmation of a person you didn't even know you were like you were like you just needed for her to like, buy into you in some in your way would that be fair oh 100 percent. i think that um I know personality tests are low-key whack and they kind of position you and whatever, but a sanguine, yeah. whatever they say about a sanguine, and I might be, if we're going to use that personality test, I might be 100%. And those mm-hmm. those of us who are out there and just put our stuff out there and are loud and boisterous and, and cocky or whatever, what what the, the personality test would say we need is affirmation. It's It would, yeah, it would yeah, say yeah, that yeah. that's what we want the most. And... Um, kind of like the clown but is really kind of sad like he he's doing it to get it oh yeah boy you got you got yeah yeah. it sounds like you have some sad boy vibes (laughs) i needed her affirmation i needed her to think i was this thing so that need if if we could just you know like fast forward that need carries you guys it it stays consistent right on through y'all's dating you get engaged and you actually move right on yeah to 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 deeper and better things with that still present huh yeah we probably shouldn't have gotten engaged man we probably should (laughs) no like just on paper if we're just going to talk about it on paper we shouldn't have gotten engaged because we were just waiting for a clearing of us treating each other well for a Mm -hmm. long enough amount of time for us to get engaged it wasn't because um, it wasn't because, oh, we had finally actually solved these, these problems, these, like we'd gotten to the, the fork in the road and we went the right way. No, there was just still things about me rubbing her the wrong way and how she would treat me. Like it would just, like I said, I didn't get that affirmation, so it would mess with me. And, um, then I had let her down. I had let her down again because... She thought I was going to just, um, oh man, this is this is crazy to think about, but I was supposed to protect her even on the physical. And I was this great guy that was going to protect her. And once again, I'm the guy who I didn't think I was going to be. I, mm. I didn't, I, I, I lost control. I'm that mm-hmm. guy. Um, mm-hmm. not to the ultimate, but doesn't matter. Enough. It was enough. 
And so guilt-ridden, guilt-ridden, like, you are that guy. Like, this is just cementing it. You are that guy. And so going into marriage, I'm feeling like I had to prove a bunch. Like, I had to prove to myself Mm. and to her that Mm. I was a great guy that I did know something about marriage. Like I prided myself in knowing a lot about relationships. I prided myself in knowing the right way to do things. I pr- like there was heavy pride with just that, just, Oh, I know how to do it. Follow me. We'll do it the right way. My family has figured it out. And because I'm the, I'm a member, I, I know what we're doing. Just, you know, just let's roll. And I had let her down. Mm. And so right into our first few years of marriage, it was, I'm trying to tell you, you need to do it the way I'm saying it. Like, this is the right way. You're telling her. Yeah, this is the right way. And I love What's funny to me is that, like, what I hear, like, the image that comes to my mind is, like, Richard Young moving through life. In, in his body, right? You just see the image of Richard Young moving his life and you got a tie on, maybe you have a Bible under your <laughs> arm because you're a good church boy. That's right. But you get up to high school and, and like this Richard Young, it's almost like a spirit comes out of him. You ever seen those those uh, shots like, either in cartoons or whatever where like, you know, the spirit of the, the ghost of the person comes out of them? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. almost like right around that time, like this other thing came out that you're trying to project, right? Yeah, yeah. So now yeah. it's like there was one Richard Young with like the faint telling of another one, right? Yeah. And it just seems like the, as you're telling the story, they got farther apart mm-hmm. and now they're kind of at war and tension. And one version of Richard is telling the other version, like, hey, man, get it together. Come on. Yeah. Let, let's do this. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's like, that's what I hear. So it's like, no, it was, I thought, you know, now that we're married. You know, um, none of this has to go like it's we're new, you know, we're complete. Mm. We're a new couple. We're not anything that we used to be. And I believe that. Um, But, you know, we had this point probably I don't know if it was in within a year or was right around a year where we just Mm -hmm. had this fight that was like I never thought I would have a fight with my wife like the way we had a fight and Mm. partially, partially I was upset partially with me that we even had the fight. And Mm -hmm. then the other half of me was upset about what the fight was about. And so Mm. like guilty, like I never thought I would be like, I would yell like this. I never thought Mm. I would be like, so upset. I never thought. um, And I remember she left the house to stay at a buddy's house Mm -hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting there and I'm like, yo, this this isn't real. This this can't happen to me. Like, mm-hmm. this isn't how it's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And I called my mom and I was just crying. And I was like, yo, I don't think she loves me. Mm-hmm. And my mom, in her wisdom, was like, Richard, do not tell me about anything that you're fighting about. Go find your wife and get her in the house. Like you guys don't have to sleep in the same room or in the same bed. 
but you just, just get your wife and you're not getting divorced. So get your wife. Mm. And mm. like, I needed that. And she came back, like I, she, I found out which friend she was staying at. She came back and this was kind of the beginning of just baggage starting to pile up mm-hmm. because she's now like, you're not who I thought you were. You mm-hmm. were gonna, you were going to, you were supposed to be better. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm not who I thought I was. I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be better. And mm-hmm. yet I'm just like needing from her. So mm-hmm. I like, I would get resentful of her. And, and like, it, my you needed from awesome. her, you needed from her in order to validate like a sense of yourself. Yeah. This sense of like, we do this the right way. Like okay, yeah, people yeah. are to look at us. Yeah. Like, yeah. We're, we're, we're the example. And like, we're not, even we're the youngs. <laughs> exactly. We like, I, I'm, you're making fun of me, but I said that. Okay, like this. Oh, shut up! You did. Of course, like this is who we were. Like, and so, I, I had this check, and it went to the bank, and it bounced. Like, it's not me. And so, wrestling with that, wrestling with that, and just frustrated, like not loving my wife because I'm frustrated Mm. with her that she's not, you know, like I, I I'm sure I treated her terribly because why aren't you playing your part in, 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 in doing this thing? Like she just owed me. She owed me. I had, I had resentfulness towards her, but in a fight, I would have never said that. I would, I can't admit to that stuff because that shows like how selfish and that it's all about how I look. Cause I thought it was about Mm -hmm. how we looked, but it was about how I Mm -hmm. looked. Do you think you even had the self-awareness back then to be able to say then what you're actually saying now? No, I wouldn't admit it. Okay. You, you, you can't admit that stuff. So even back yeah. then, if you asked me like two weeks after that big old fight, if, mm-hmm. if I, if how my marriage was, I would have, I would not have mm. been able to admit that it was not going well. I would have mm. said, we're growing and, you know, our, you know, we're learning stuff about each other and we're growing. And mm-hmm. because I'm working at Union College and I have kids coming to me all the time like mm-hmm. i'm talking about relationships all the time i mean this is college is the time we're talking about relationships so mm-hmm. i would have been mortified if anyone would have seen and known that about me um, now because- just to frame this you are married you've graduated and now you're working back at your alma mater you graduated from a school called union college in lincoln nebraska Graduated from Union College, and now you're working at Union College as a recruiter, was it? Yeah, I was working as a recruiter. My wife's last year, um, we were married. Her second to last year, uh-huh. I lived in an apartment across the street, and she lived in the school housing. And so we dated, I think, for maybe a year and a half while I was. Okay. And so now I'm working at the school, and and then... <laughs> Then I started to get I could I could imagine I could imagine that as you're working at the school and you're having college students that are now looking to you as older brother and you couldn't admit the sort of faltering and failings of your own personal life. I bet you you had a stack or a rack of self-help books. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. <laughs> Bro. That probably That in like whack concert <laughs> that, that in some whack theology. 
<laughs> it, that probably came in a little later. Um, okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I didn't need the self-help books then because I knew okay. it all. I knew it all then. At that point, oh. early in the marriage, I knew it all. Um, mm. But we had, we had people, our house was, it was right on campus. It was the only house that was still on the block of the campus. Mm-hmm. And it was a revolving door of Union College students. Like okay. every Sabbath, we had people over and we're eating and they're over until like we go to the, the ASB event with them because one year I was in ASB. Now, now Sabbath, Sabbath being you yeah. grew up Seventh-day Adventist and yes. like on Saturday, you keep Sabbath. Yeah. Like you yeah. stop from working, you go to church, people come over, eat together. That's and, what you mean by Sabbath. Yeah. And then when the sun goes down, the school would put on a social event and uh-huh. I would go with the kids because like I, I was a sponsor one year. I would take pictures. I would, I was just, my wife would say that I went to college twice. My niece came, okay. my niece came to school and like mm-hmm. I went through my four years and then I went again mm-hmm. her four years. And <laughs> this is where I run into to Tyler and we're just... Like she now she's working, she's a nurse. Mm-hmm. So sometimes she would come home, and the house has twelve college students in it, and me, and we're laughing, we're having a good time, and I am getting my validation for who I am in, in these kids' lives. Like I'm, mm. I am getting filled. Like oh yeah, because these kids see me a certain way, and I'm, and mm. I, 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 I wouldn't have admitted that, but that's it was huge to me. Like I wanted to be there for them, but it was also for mm-hmm. me. And so we're doing yeah. all this stuff. We're just, and I go through college a second time while my wife is is working, and that mm. that took a toll. Even though she loved she loved the kids, she loved mm-hmm. having kids over. She loves, you know. But when she would come home, she worked at the at a heart hospital, and she was one of the specialized nurses taking care of like really, really sick patients and she'd come home dead Mm -hmm. and we're all watching Saturday Night Live or we're all, you know, watching the game and we're, I'm like, oh, hey babe, what's going on? You know, and it's not, Mm. it's like, that was my life. Like Union College was my life. The persona of Cool Richard that -hmm. you had been cultivating for X number of years, Mm -hmm. along with the persona of like, do it right, Richard, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That you had Mm -hmm. kept hidden finally come together in this time where you're cool but you're Mm -hmm. older so Mm -hmm. it's beneficial to be cool but now since you're older you also have something to offer about being the guy who knows how to do it right so you don't have to hide anymore that you're the good church boy now you're the cool older brother who's finally getting all the respect and affirmation from these younger kids at the expense of your family life your wife and and truth that's what that's what it seems like. Sounds like. That's I don't think you could have put it any better. Like my marriage was Yeah, the, the ghost the ghost and the body have finally come together, <laughs> but now they're finally getting everything they need from these college students and your wife is like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah. And this is like I look back at those years and this is crazy. My marriage was not great, but I was so happy. I was so happy because 
I was able to be oh. this guy in their lives, like these kids' lives. And like the marriage. Bro, you were like, drinking from everybody else's fountain. You were yeah. just like, oh, let me surf a little affirmation from you, yeah. a little bit from you. And I, like I said, I don't think I would have admitted this because my heart was so earnest. I did love the kids and I did care about the kids. Um, it's not just black and white, like, oh, I'm doing this for me. And I'm not, I'm not really trying to defend myself. It's just, I was getting from it. It wasn't completely give. It was, well, my wife doesn't think I'm awesome, but you think I'm awesome. Um, and so that was the thing that we did through my last few years at, at, uh, in Lincoln. And we, um, yeah, I would I would go on the road. Tyler would do the music. Tyler and my niece Azriel, they would do the music, and then I would preach. And we went to boarding academy. After we went East Coast, West Coast, we went to the South. We went everywhere, and we just yeah. and it was like that was what I lived for. Like the summers were so mm-hmm. awful and depressing to me because the kids mm-hmm. weren't around. And like when mm-hmm. the kids got back, I'm like school year starting again. I was ready to go. Recruiting was like, I wasn't there for the recruiting. I was there. For you were the, there for the for the kids. You were there for, for the vibe. The, for the college vibe, man. I and yeah, that that was the life. So you, at some point, you transition from Union, right? And you leave Union, and there's a whole series of events that lead you to. I went to Maplewood Academy uh, to be a, a and that's where. Man. It's in Minnesota. It's actually where um, my buddy Tyler is from. It's where he went to academy. And uh, mm-hmm. he's about to graduate. It's his senior year. From Union. From Union. And we're mm-hmm. having this conversation. And he was dating this girl named Morgan. And mm-hmm. he had just gotten this job offer to be a Bible teacher in an academy out east. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, No. And he was mm-hmm. like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you can't do that, bro. He's like, why? I'm like, do you love Morgan? Because Morgan had just come back from Africa. He's like, mm-hmm. do you love Morgan? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, do you want to be with her? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, well, then you can't leave right now. She just got back. Like, y'all need to be around each other and get this thing, you know, because they had had some bumps along the way. I'm like, yeah, you need, sure. to, like, you need to find this thing out. And then he's like, well, what am I going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, well, there's this position open at Maplewood Academy for a dean. Maybe I'll do that. And I was like, cool, man. Like, that sounds cool. And then he's like, mm-hmm. man, I don't know. So we actually, this was in January. And we were like, well, let's just pray about it. And I was like, you know what the cool thing is? We're going to know. We're going to know at the end of May or at the beginning of May where you're going to be. Like, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're So give me the Cliff right Notes now. version. Give me the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> Because there's so much to this story. Give me the Cliff Notes version. How do you end up? How you end up in Minnesota instead of Tyler? Yeah, they uh, the principal sends me a Facebook message saying, "Would you think about being the dean here?" And I, my wife was awake, and I was like, "Yo, what do you think about this?" And she blew my mind. She was like, "That actually doesn't sound bad." And I was like, "What? Hutchinson, Minnesota? What the flip?" I'm from Kansas City. Like, I don't like that cold up there. And so then mm-hmm. uh, I texted her back. We text a few minutes. I end up meeting with the whole board three hours later. 
and on a on a this is back before Zoom and Skype was super popular, but on Skype, and I'm driving up the next week to do an interview to be the the men's dean, and mm-hmm. as we're driving home, they offer us the position, and my wife and I are in the car, and we just knew this is where we're going. Like we didn't want to go, but, but we just knew. We start crying. We're just like, I. I thought I was going to be a union college forever. And now mm-hmm. we're uprooted to Minnesota. And it was, and I'm thinking, I'm like, man, this is where Tyler was supposed to go. And then Tyler ends up moving in and getting a position in, in the recruitment office because I had left. So it was, that's right. Just, that's right. Um, it's just kind of like God, just like, yeah, this is where I have you. This is where I have. So you end up in Minnesota and let's just fast forward. You're deaning, you're doing the thing, you're, speaking into these young men's lives. How is your sense of your persona as Richard flourishing or not flourishing? How's the marriage? And what's the spillover effect of everything you had been dealing with and wrestling with up to then? Uh, Yeah, this is when the self-help comes in, is when I get to Minnesota, at Union, I was like, you know, I had a position, but my main position was like, with these kids and now my actual paid position is to be pouring into kids and and walking with kids. And, um, I was struggling, man. Like my, uh, right before I left Lincoln, me and and some buddies were just like, we're going to deal with this lust thing head on. We're going to deal with it head on. And so we actually had one or two meetings with like 15 or 16 college kids and we were going to we were just going to put our cards on the table and we we're going to say yo we're tired of dealing with this and this is how we're going to deal with it and we were talking about like accountability partners we were talking like just like strategy like we all knew it was wrong and there were guys in in this meeting that were like like looking at us like helpless like help us like we we don't know how to get out of this thing and so i was on that mindset as i'm going into uh, Maplewood as a dean, like, because I had had. So I'd, this is something that has been present from your relationship with Natalie, Natalie from college, right on through your marriage, all the way to Maplewood. The yeah, uh, the lust. Yeah, and it was, it was like it would be fine, and then it would just rear its head, and then I would like take care of it. And then I would go for a while and feel really great. And then it would rear its head. And it was a cycle, man. And I would look at guys who were really into it. And I'd be like, oh, man, I'm, I'm glad I'm not like them. You know, I just have this uh-huh. tiny problem. Uh, and because, uh-huh. because I was honest about it and attacking it head on, I felt uh-huh. even better about it. Like, oh, well, I'm really, I'm really on the forefront. I'm really on the, on the battle line. Yeah, because... This is uh this is right way Richard telling wrong way Richard. No, we're dealing with this, and the only way we know how we're we're gonna go forward. We're gonna work hard. We're gonna pray hard. We're gonna make this happen. Yes. You're not like the other guys, but you're not where you want to be. But we're we're heading in the right direction. Let's read these self help books. One hundred, one hundred percent. And in Minnesota, I mean, I talk to the guys in the dorm about all of this stuff. I'm open. I don't say anything. I, I probably would position it as like, man, when I was growing up, I would struggle, da 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 That's how I would position mm-hmm. it because I really believe that. And I would believe that like, man, he's really working with me. And then I would fall. And that would be mm-hmm. a 10 times worse fall um, mm-hmm. because of the guilt. 
I would just be like, uh-huh. you were just talking to all those kids. Like, uh-huh. that would be heavy. And then my marriage was, we were just drifting because uh-huh. she was babysitting and my whole life was the basketball team. And so I would just uh-huh. be preparing for practice and planning for practice and and just I'd be up in the dorm till two in the morning with the guys and just like really really making an effort and i'll give you an example for for how my mind worked if we had a basketball game and we didn't either Uh rebound or we didn't our man-to-man defense wasn't good or like we didn't get the shots we wanted and we lost the game after that game Uh i would go and buy a video to teach me how to coach that better any loss Uh i would spend money Uh on buying a video to teach me Oh, Richard, that's your fault. You didn't give them, you didn't put them in the right position or you didn't coach this in practice Uh hard enough or you didn't da 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 da. So I would go back and I would, I would beat myself up and buy a video in the same way. If I fell in, in my marriage or if I fell in, Uh you know, lust, I'm buying a book. Okay. Let me read Uh this. Let me read this. Let me read all these books on marriage. And so I'm talking to Natalie like, oh, we should read this. We should read this. Oh, we should do. And she's just like, I'm not having it. Like, you don't even want to be in the house. You just want to be in the gym. You just want to be, you want to be in your office. And she, this is, by this time we're having, we had our our son. Uh, We had our daughter in Lincoln and now we have our son. And she's just like, you don't care about me. And I'm just like, no, I do. And I wanted to care about her. But like, I didn't feel loved. And I could only so love if I was feeling loved. Yeah, so it seems emblematic that the, the 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 mantra that you're living from at this point is, Richard, you gotta do better. Richard, you can do better. Let's buy a book, let's buy a video. And then there's a spillover effect into your marriage. Like, Natalie, this is what we're gonna do. We're the young. This is this is the right way. This is how we're gonna make it happen. But she's just saying, Bro, you ain't even around to make this happen. You out here not being. Yeah. And so then you spent how long in Minnesota? We spent three years in Minnesota. Three years in Minnesota. And more of the same? It, it, it had gotten dark. It had gotten... It had got, so it, it was dark. It had gotten worse? Yeah, it, it was worse. So... Yeah. What's the uh, transition from Minnesota? What's the next move? Well, I, I got to make sure I, I make this plain about Minnesota. It had gotten so dark... Yet I still had so much confidence in who I was that I thought, oh, if she just listened to me, meanwhile, I'm dealing with all the stuff that I don't want to deal with. But I'm like, if she would just listen to me and and so I would position her like, oh, she just needed to get it right. I would position her as not the thing that she did that was hurtful. I would position her that something was wrong with her. And this is... Mm. It sounds horrible because it is. It it was mm-hmm. it was um it was just bad and we got to this point where pretty soon close to when we realized we were going to leave, we had one fight where we're just sitting on the ground and we're just like I have no idea where to go from here. Like the baggage was so deep. The baggage was so th- like there were too many bags. Like we didn't even know the first one to open, to unravel it, to uh-huh. talk about it. And then in the middle of this whole thing, um, like 
no one knows about this. My parents don't mm-hmm. know about it. Um, the school doesn't know about it. Um, I don't think, I think her sister, Natalie's sister might've known about it. And actually, uh, my friend Alyssa, who I just interviewed on the podcast, she knew what kind of a husband I was, mm-hmm. but, but that's cause Natalie was babysitting over there all the time. And she, she saw Natalie, but no one really knew. Um, maybe mm-hmm. my friends who knew me could have been like, man, Richard, we knew you was, you were whack, but, um, I didn't know. So I get this mm-hmm. job in Kansas city and we moved down here and it's, and it's a, it's in a leadership position and it's, uh, I'm, I'm going to be the principal at, at my old school. And so, mm. but my wife, like, I'm not going to move anywhere unless my wife is like, yeah, let's go. And we mm-hmm. knew we, we didn't have a house, so we would have to live with my folks. And, um, but she said, yeah. And so it was kind of like moving to Minnesota. I believe God took us to Minnesota. And I also believe that he was taking us from Minnesota to Kansas city. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I get to Kansas city and I'm, I start the job here and things are going, they're going super well. They're going super awesome. God gives me wisdom. Um, there's some hiccups along the way, you know, I'm trying to figure out a new position. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. early on, I had made like this, I had uh, another stupid decision, look at something I didn't want to look at. And and mm-hmm. I was just like, now I'm, now I'm like so determined that I call up a couple guys and one guy on Wednesday, one guy on Monday. And mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to these guys every week, just five minutes, one guy mm-hmm. on Monday. He didn't know about the other guy. You know, just have a couple accountability partners. Mm-hmm. And because I'm like, no, we're done. We're through, mm-hmm. you know. And so that is where I'm at and like been going good for a while. That's where I'm at where um, I find out about what's going on with Tyler. That's where yeah. uh, we're at. Now, how, how, now, now that you're back, you're having success professionally. It's going well. You're now the leader of a school as a principal. Yeah. How's it going with the marriage? Is it more the same like it was in Minnesota or has the move at least alleviated a bit of the darkness? Um, there was so much hubbub with the move and um, we're just trying to figure stuff out. So we're not really, you know, we hadn't dealt with anything. But at first... So it's it enough was, of a distraction. Yeah, it was okay. And then it's it was not okay. Okay. It's, it started to get, but I was so wrapped up in the school that I was just like, well, like she's, she's in her, she's in her feelings. Like I, yeah. like I couldn't help her back then. I don't know what I'm going to be able to say now. Um, yeah. So if we're watching this movie correctly, we know what the scene is going to play out. Like Rich is going to do his thing at work. He's going to be cool principal but he's gonna be wise principal because he's got these life experience he's read his bible and now he's got these self-help books <laughs> so that he's gonna completely commit himself but back at home he's gonna oh well natalie you're just not doing it the young way and if you just did it the young way it'd be okay and in the midst of this you hear about tyler and morgan going through their issue yes tyler had texted me and he was like pray for your boy and i was like I tried to call him or something and he didn't answer. And I was like, okay. 
And so then I'm up in Lincoln and I see him and he tells me this crazy story about how his wife had found out about um, his porn issue and left him at the beach in Florida. Uh And I'm just Uh like, what? And I'm kind of like, well, why didn't you tell me about this, bro? And he's like, well. Now his wife is Morgan, Morgan, the girl that he was dating when you told him to not take that job and stay back at Union. Yeah. Because this is the same Tyler. The same Tyler. And he's kind of like, well, Richard, I I knew if I would have told you, you would have told me. Why in the world did you tell her? And in my mind, yeah. I was like, yep, that's 100% what I, what I would have said. Why did you tell her? And so um, we, we, we start praying about it and we start talking about it a little bit. And through the fall semester, I am, I'm checking in on him just like, hey, man, how's it going? And at first he's giving me some information and then he kind of stops giving me some information. And he mentioned that he had talked to Are you to giving him. him advice? I had stopped. I had stopped mm. giving him advice. I was just being the friend because when he mm-hmm. told me, when he told me, um, I know what advice you would have given me, it kind of pulled mm-hmm. my card a little bit. It kind of mm-hmm. pulled my card and like, Richard, your advice is like, it's not, it's low key whack right now. So, um, so I was just like listening because I love this guy and like, I don't want his marriage to fall apart. So, and he Bro, told that's me, a, that's an important piece of the story I had not heard before. What, what part is that? That, I that he kind of, he kind he kind of shook you a little bit by saying, yo, what you would have told me is whack. Yeah. Because I mean, Tyler has always been, he's eight years younger than me and he yeah. was, he's always been the the Padawan and I've been the Jedi. <laughs> uh, that's just uh-huh. how it's been. And like now, like it doesn't seem like that. Meanwhile, if I would be giving him advice on marriage, like how's that working out for me? You know, but mm-hmm. he didn't know. He didn't know. You know, your friends really don't know. They really don't know what's yeah. going on in your marriage unless you really let them in. And so he did, he wouldn't have ever known that Natalie hated me. Like (laughs) he he wouldn't have known that. And so we're just going through that fall and I'm just like checking in on him and um, yeah, just hoping for the best, praying for him. Um, Because in my, in my mind, my marriage was going to be fine. Like we just Mm. have to figure it out and we're Mm -hmm. going to figure it out and we'll be Mm -hmm. fine. That was what my mindset mm-hmm. was in my marriage. Mm-hmm. And then we're just going to work at it. Yeah, we're just going to chop wood, man. That's how I looked at it. We're we'll just going to chop wood and, uh, you know, it's going to, it's going to. At this point, out. how long have you been married? <sighs> Probably 10 years. <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> just gonna, well, one, well, one day, one day you'll actually love each other. Well, my homie once told me that he really didn't even understand marriage till 10 years in. So that was helpful. I'm like, oh, cool. We're now at 10 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, we're yeah. now at 10 years. So maybe it, it's the game's going to slow down a little bit. You know, I'm going to be able to, to catch up with it. And so I kind of mm-hmm. thought that a little bit, but uh, this guy was in a good marriage. <laughs> and so, yeah. uh, so then um, there comes this moment where everybody at the school thinks I'm doing a good job. And the school Mm -hmm. year is going great Mm -hmm. and it's not going well at home. 
And I even remember my, you know, we, we're living with my parents. My parents hear us having a, a fight. Uh-huh. And our fights had become less frequent because uh-huh. we had just, we weren't going to put that energy into it as much anymore. Like there was still the same amount of baggage, but we were like, it, it was like, what what are we going to do? But we did have uh-huh. this one fight and my, my mom and dad called me into their room and I felt like I was in high school again. And they're like, Richard, uh-huh. why are you fighting? Like, uh-huh. Richard, did th- don't fight with your wife. Like, I don't know what uh-huh. they said, but it was like super embarrassing. Like uh-huh. I was filled with shame. I was just like, I don't uh-huh. want to. And I didn't want to say anything bad about her, but I didn't, uh-huh. I felt like defending myself, but I, I was just like, um, like Now did this happen while Tyler and Morgan are having their struggles and sure. you're there for him? Okay. Kind so of, yeah. This, this is, Okay. Okay. All right. So this is all within that timeline. So then what leads up? Tell me a little bit about, cause I know the moment we're headed towards. Yeah. Of you and Tyler. How get, get moved well, to that. Yeah. I, everything, because I'd had these accountability partners, I was doing awesome. Like wasn't looking at anything I shouldn't be looking at. You know, I'm leading the school. Like it's, you know, it's all about God. And then one day I'm thinking, man, everybody at this school likes me and my wife don't. And I started thinking, mm-hmm. you start going down this rabbit trail and you're, and I, and I thought to myself, I bet. And that thought the, I bet what comes after the, I bet, I bet mm-hmm. I could. And that scared the hell out of me. Because what the, I could was there might be somebody else who would like. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, uh-huh. Oh, mercy. And I got scared and I would remember exactly where I was, the stretch of highway I was on because I was driving to lunch somewhere. And Uh I was just like, oh my goodness. And this is January, 2019. So this again, sounds like you're having a moment where the Richard you never thought you would be is again emerging. And so that weekend I drive up to Lincoln for principals meetings. And Tyler's like, let's watch the Wolves game at your hotel because his marriage is still whack. Just, Mm -hmm. but, but there's something different about him. Like he's Mm -hmm. super, super happy. He's living with peace. And he had mentioned this conversation that he had with you. And I had, I'd ran into you maybe two years before that, when I was up at Andrews with, with polite and we had ran into you. So I'd probably run into you maybe two or three times since high school. And it was all kind of just, it was all just acquaintances. Like we were never boys in high school. We just, um, I don't even know if you knew who I was. I just knew who you was, you was, you were. And so I, we running into each other because, Oh, polite's there and we're just catching up and I see you there. And I, and so he tells me about this conversation that he's had with you. And my first mm-hmm. instinct is to be like, man, why didn't you talk to me about something like that? Isn't it crazy that we just, don't, we don't understand. <laughs> like why? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I'm thinking my advice would be, would be tight. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's telling me about this conversation that he has with you. Um, this is during the fall and that, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not catching his vibe. I'm just like, yeah, man, that's good stuff. I'm really happy for you. And I genuinely was. Um, mm-hmm. 
And it's, it's kind of like when someone says, God is my all. And you just go mm-hmm. with it. Yeah, that's how we're supposed to live. God, all, that's is, awesome. Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah. God is our all. And that's great. So we get mm-hmm. to uh, the hotel room and we're watching the Timberwolves game. And I have to tell him about this thought that I had. Because mm-hmm. I just believe that if I put it into the light, it'll lose its power. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I say, hey, man, I got to tell you about this thing. And he's like, well, go ahead, man. And I said, I had this thought and it scared me to death because I don't, I don't want to ruin my marriage. Uh-huh. And I'm explaining this thought to him. And he says, Richard, that thought doesn't have any power over you. And he said it in the way that he had been talking about this, this gospel in the new way. And I was just like, um, what are you talking about, man? I wouldn't be telling you about this if it wasn't a problem. And he's like, no, man, it doesn't have any control. It doesn't have power over you. Sin has no power over you. And I'm like, but it does, bro. Like, or else why would I, like, this doesn't make sense what you're saying. And we start going down this journey and he's just like, well, what is your relationship to sin? And I'm just like, well, I, you know, I've had these accountability partners and so I've been kind of steering away from that sin, but how is this? And nothing really else was kind of jumping in my mind. And we're, we're just kind of like at this weird little area. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm just not buying it. Like sin has no power over me. Does that mean I can just go do whatever I want right now? Like, what are you even saying? And so he kind of just stops me in this, in the middle of this kind of conversation. And he's just like, Rich, could you maybe think maybe I might be right about this and you not? And I realize I'm like, oh, I'm not even listening to this guy. Like every time he's talking, I'm waiting for him to be done so I can tell him where he's wrong. And if you're doing that, you're actually not listening. So some one of these self-help books said that if you don't believe somebody, you're not listening. Because like, cause you're always trying to come up with how they're wrong. So I said, well, I'm just going to believe him. And I said, okay, what are you saying? I put the spiritual pride down. I kind of put my weapon down, put my guard down. And I said, what are you saying? And he was like, well, let's let's go to Romans 6. So we open up Romans 6, and it's saying that you're free from sin. And I remember vividly seeing the words, but seeing them as kind of like a jumble. Like, I don't remember seeing them as like one sentence after another. And like even thinking of Romans 6, like the first part in the Bible was just these kind of jumble of words. But what he Mm -hmm. was saying is like, you're free from sin. Mm -hmm. So we get to this point in the conversation and I'm just like, it's like, I'm, I'm still like, but I don't, but I'm still sinning, man. And he said, well, are you going to believe your life or are you going to believe the Bible? And I was like, oh. Like I remember being like, because that hit right that that yeah. hit right at the Richard Young way. Because the Richard Young way is like, I believe the word of God. Yeah. <laughs> and so he said, "Are you going to believe your life or the Bible?" And I was like, oh. and then he said, "Richard, are you righteous?" And so I had to have the right answer. So I'm thinking about all the loopholes and you know, like how could this be a trick question? And I was like, he, because of Jesus, yes. And he's like, right. 
Um, and then he said, when it comes to righteousness, you're not on a journey. You're at the destination. Mm. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, and so mm-hmm. I'm like, I am righteous. And so that night we talked for, I don't know, man, it might've been two hours, might've been two and a half, three hours. And the mm-hmm. two thoughts that came away, I can't count them. Number one was something about Romans 6 is important. Mm-hmm. We had gone to Colossians 1, 21, and he said, I'm, I'm blameless and above reproach, wholly mm-hmm. blameless and above reproach. And that when it came to righteousness, I was not on a journey. And then the final mm-hmm. thought was, <clears throat> I'm not a sinner. Mm-hmm. And, and you're not on a journey in, in, in this attaining of righteousness, right? right? That whatever journey we actually have as believers is the journey in righteousness because we live in right. and from it, yeah? And so I was like, I'm not a sinner. And that light bulb of I'm not a sinner just was like, bing! And so I... Now, act- this, is, this, is, this, is, this right here is a point of like so much... Uh, disinformation maybe because what do you mean by when you say you say i'm not a sinner it's like whoa so that that night you never watched the porns ever again like you just <laughs> now, 180 and you were perfect and and so here's the thing about this you if you've been listening to this podcast you've heard these ideas kind of hopefully fleshed out <laughs> a little bit more and i'm not telling you right now that tyler said everything to me that night in like exactly correct theological way okay i'm mm-hmm. not like there was stuff that we had talked about and said in the months afterwards that were just mm-hmm. straight up wrong just straight mm-hmm. up wrong but the holy spirit opened up my mind and when mm-hmm. i put my weapon down it allowed me to hear something so I, i'm not saying that yeah hear what I, what he said was just like the spirit was there and I was able to accept that maybe what God has said about me is true and what I had felt mm. about myself wasn't. Mm. That mm-hmm. was the takeaway. Was like mm-hmm. it kind of gave me a chance to read the Bible because mm-hmm. I had never thought like I had I'd never read Romans before. Never mm-hmm. in my life I had opened up the book to Romans to go to Romans. Like, Mm -hmm. Paul's too hard for me to understand. That's what people had said, and that's what I believe. So I can't understand Paul. And so I, I, the next day, I actually had a, uh, I had the worship for all the principles. And I Mm. just got up there and I was like, I'm just going to read Colossians 1, 21 and 22, and tell them that they're holy, blameless, and above reproach. And I'm giving this message to a room and it doesn't look like they're vibing. And one mm-hmm. lady comes up to me at the end and she's like, what, what is that verse? And I'm like, that's Colossians 1, 21 and 22. And she's just like, that actually says that we're holy, blameless and above reproach like now. And I'm like, yeah, you have it now. And I had just gotten bold with it like that the night before. <laughs> Like, and and Tyler and I talk about like why we were able to receive and understand this thing and just believe it off off jump. 
It took me maybe 30 mm-hmm. minutes into the conversation for me to put my weapon down. And in his conversation with you, I'm imagining it probably didn't take that much time. And in both occasions, we had nothing to lose. Like we were mm-hmm. down near the end of, like I was thinking, man, my marriage is, I'm about to do something mm-hmm. awful in my marriage. And Tyler mm-hmm. had already done, you know, he all of his stuff was coming to light. And so mm-hmm. like that night, almost that night immediately, I'm just like, I have a new way of looking at the Bible. New mm-hmm. way. I am not a sinner. And I didn't understand mm-hmm. what that meant. I just believed it. Right, I didn't get it, uh-huh. but I just believed it. Uh, did you uh-huh. Did you have a question about that, or should I continue? Just oh no, if you want to clarify, because we we know we know what we're saying, but for the folks that are listening, so you know, the question always is like, oh well, since you're not a sinner, then you stop doing everything you were doing before, like right there and then. No, yeah, Tyler had he kind of explained. He's like, Richard, your category is not sinner. Like uh-huh. a sinner is a specific category in Scripture but you are righteous and you can't be both righteous and sinner. And I was like, Whoa! because it's kind of hard to think back to what I used to believe about this, but I'm sure I believe that I was, if I was righteous, then of course I was also a sinner. So I'm righteous and a sinner. And now that we're even just talking about this, I'm sure that that was part of the conversation where he's like, you can't be both. You can't be both. And so, and he's like, and if you're, if you're one or the other, pick the one that says you're in Christ because you believe in Jesus. I think he even asked me that night, are you baptized? And I was like, well, yeah, I got baptized in the fifth grade. And so like that also helped. I'm like, well, I did get baptized. So, and I'm like, maybe I'm not in this category over here. Maybe I am in this other category. So this was just very, like I said, very early understanding of what we're talking about and what this whole thing is about. Yeah. So uh, this is for not, the audience. Yeah, this is not the theological <laughs> breakdown. What were you going to say? Yeah, well, just for the audience, what Richard is talking about is that the Bible is very clear on different categories, and it uses light and dark. That's one category. It uses flesh and spirit. That's another uh, two categories, binary categories. It uses death and life, right? Um, and in all of these, you can only be one, not the other. You're either in life, not death. You're either uh, in, in light and not darkness, right? You're either in spirit, not flesh. And so with that in mind, the Bible also has this category that sinners are those who are separate, alien, and strangers to the covenants of God. And they deal with life apart from God wickedly, right? So that sinners are those who are separated alien and uh yeah they are uh alienated strangers from the covenants of god but you and i who are grafted into the life of god through christ jesus actually have his covenant faithfulness alive in us and since he's alive in us even though we have the ability to sin and have fallen Mm -hmm. into the mistakes of our former ignorance we are not in the category of the wicked and, and sinners. And you can see this in places like Psalm chapter one. We won't continue to go on this, but just that you're talking about, yeah. man, I am no longer categorically this thing. I am categorically righteous yeah. because of Jesus. Yeah. And so I just believed it. And I get back to Kansas City 
and my sweet, sweet, uh, the, the, uh, the secretary at the school, I would sit in the front office and I think I started it off by like, you know what? I'm not a sinner anymore. And she'd be like, what are you talking about? So that for the rest of that school year, starting in February, like I would just sit in the office with her when I was at school and we would just be talking about these things. And then mm-hmm. I'm talking with Tyler about it. Like, I think right before I left home to Kansas City, like we go out to eat and he's like, because like this Bible is kind of opening up and he opens up Romans six again at this restaurant we're at. And I'm like, the words still look jumbled. Like I'm, I'm like having a hard time focusing in on the, the top part of Romans six, but I'm just like, yeah, yeah. And I just know that it's good. I just know that it's mm. good. And I just want to understand it. I just desperately want to understand what he's saying. And I don't feel like he's explaining it the best way. I'm, I'm like getting frustrated with him. I'm like, well, what are you saying, man? Like, what are you? And so, <laughs> and he's explaining it to me. And then later on, he's like, ah, I'm not sure, you know, what I meant there. But, and so we're just like slowly through these next weeks and months, just like walking in this thing, kind of slowly me and him, just like he would tell me something and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And I, happened upon like he, he's talking to me about uh your ministry and he is now gone out to um santa where were you santa what santa and santa santa anna santa some some santa rosa around, california santa rosa. i think it was uh, and he comes yeah. back and he's like showing me these videos he's like oh this is my guy christian you would love christian here's a video of him rapping and i'm like watching it and i'm like oh cool i don't know this person but he does seem cool and and i'm kind of like fomo you know like man you're meeting all these people and and he's like oh yeah mikey archbeck he knows all this and da 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 and and he's just on it and so i'm like well let me mm-hmm. let me watch this thing so i remember watching the love reality tour at Campion Academy. And I'm mm-hmm. just... And Campion Academy is a, a, a school in, I think, Loveland, yeah, Colorado? Yeah, Loveland, Colorado. It's actually, Littleton, it was actually Colorado. my big arch rival in basketball growing up, but that's neither here nor there. So I'm watching this. You're, 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 you're doing the love reality tour at Campion, and mm-hmm. I am trying so hard to vibe with what you're saying. But in some ways, it's also looking like the way Romans 6 was looking in the Bible. Like you're saying all of these good stuff, and I'm just like, it's almost hurting my brain. And I'm like, well, what does this mean about the Sabbath? What does this mean about this? What is this? And I'm like having all of these questions, and it's just like revolving in my head. And then one day, Tyler texts me a clip of Dan Moeller. And it's Dan Moeller. He's like, listen to how this guy talks to... Uh, answers this question about homosexuality. And so they, Dan, Moller, Dan Moller goes into Romans 1 and he starts talking about homosexuality for like 30 seconds. But then he goes into like deep, deep gospel and like he starts crying because his heart is br- like he just answers this question about homosexuality in a way like I had never heard anybody talk about a question like that. So then I start watching him and I'm watching the move, this thing you and our, our buddy Justin Koo did, and I'm going through this thing, and I'm just slowly 
walking through this thing and I realize as I'm on this journey that I didn't love my wife. Mm. I'm like, Richard. What brought that realization? It was, I think, something about Dan Moeller, what Dan Moeller had said about need. Dan Moeller broke down mm. need and he's just like, you people are saying I love you, but what you're really saying is, do you love me? And how can you love if you don't understand the, the love of the father? And I was just like, oh, what? Yeah, because he says, we say I love you, but we really too often mean I need you yes. to love me. Yes. And he said <clears throat> that. And then Tyler, man, still Morgan is killing him. And he's just mm. like, yeah, I don't need her. I love her. And I have no expectations for her. And I was like, huh? And for context, for those who have not heard Tyler and Morgan's story, at this point, Tyler has received gospel, but his wife does, wants nothing to do with him. But Tyler's just walking this thing out in confidence and saying, yeah, I still have the privilege of loving her and I don't need her. But if she's my wife, I'm going to love her even if she never returns. Yeah, 100%. And I'm just, that that conversation with Tyler, it really it broke some stuff down for me because I was just like, I have expectations for my wife. Mm. I've been expecting this and this and this, and I've been putting this on her. I haven't been loving her. And so like this, mm. this very sad revelation of me not loving my wife is made super plain to me. And mm. so then I'm determined to love my wife. And so I'm I'm starting to not expect something from her or anything from her and and she's hearing what I'm saying because I come home and I just start having arguments arguments with my parents <laughs> at Sabbath lunch just like about we, this gospel stuff. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> just like not good. Like my children are sitting at the table like this and Natalie's sitting there like this and my mom is sitting there and my, my dad and I are just going at it. And, and I, by sitting there, you're saying like they're sitting there with that look of like, oh, Richard, I wish you'd stop talking. You're embarrassing yes. us. Yes. Just like, can we have a Sabbath lunch without some kind of brouhaha? Like, and it's just, it's just crazy. I'm just on so fire. So talk about that a little bit, Richard. <clears throat> talk about how you get on fire, you're receiving this stuff, but talk about how you initially steward it in relationship to both your marriage and professionally. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have much discernment if I'm being honest. Uh, I probably said a bunch of stuff that just learned it and just started saying it and didn't really think it through. But, um, yeah, I'm sure I rub people the wrong way. I'm sure I said things I shouldn't have said. And, um, like, yeah, I, I remember thinking that I was the guy that Jesus had healed, and now I'm running through town telling everybody about it. And it wasn't until, mm. I'm not sure who said it, if it was you or Justin Koo or somebody was like, yo, Jesus was serious when he told that dude not to talk about it. And I was mm. like, oh, and it's kind of like I had this thing and part of me was like, oh, I have this new understanding and you guys don't get it. Like my motive was still not co completely correct. The motive wasn't love, right? Paul says that we learn all of this for love, right? This, the, 
This is yeah. what we do. It's for love. And for me at that point, my motive was probably like it was a mixture, but it was exciting to learn something new that maybe some other people didn't know yet. If mm-hmm. if I'm being now, this is where this is this is where I want to go because it sounds like the way you're beginning to steward this thing sounds like a lot like the old Richard, who's like, I know the Richard Young way, but now it's the Roman Six way. Right. Let me tell everybody how it's supposed to happen. Yeah. 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 That's, Tell I, me how that plays out professionally. I, <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it that way. Uh, how does it play out professionally? Um, yeah, not- yeah. Give us, give us the because you, you because uh, all right. Let's let's name some things. What is it that you receive when Tyler breaks the stuff down for you and the gospel is revealed through the Spirit? What is it that you can say wholeheartedly about who you were after gospel versus who you were before gospel? Right, death and life. Yeah, I went from from death to life. So what could you say about the person of Richard Young? Um, ask me that again. I'm, I'm not. I'm not a different way. Sure. Yeah, I'm not vibing with the question. I don't understand. So, so from the point like before that time in the hotel with uh, Tyler, mm-hmm. till just immediately sometime after when you finally catch catch it, you're just running. Mm-hmm. What's what's the difference at the fundamental level of Richard Young? What is it that you have you now know about yourself? What is it that has changed about your knowledge of God? What is it that you have now that you didn't have? Oh, then? I just I was loved. I was loved. I was a new creation. Like I believed that that I didn't have to defend that old Richard anymore because he was actually old Richard. And before, mm. and maybe I'm not answering the question. Before I would no, look at before I would look in the mirror, and I was the sum total of all of my years of mistakes and all of the goodness. I was completely full, Richard. And then when I looked in the mirror now, I was like, "Oh, I don't have to defend that Richard that was an awful husband or that was self-centered." And I was actually able now to say, "Dad, gum, I was self-centered than a mug. I was, I was mm-hmm. about myself." And mm-hmm. because I knew that person was dead, I did not feel like I needed to defend him anymore because now I am a new creation. The new has come. I was like, this is me now. And so, like, be- I was just, like, praising God that I didn't, like, that guy was gone. And that was such a way. And how did you know that guy was, how did you know that guy was gone? I knew it. I knew it because it said it. It said it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I felt completely new, but now I knew that my actions were were motivated in love. Like mm. before, my actions towards my my wife, if I was being sweet, of course I cared about her and I wanted to love her, but I probably also wanted to have her do something nice for me, or say something nice mm. for me, or sleep with me, or something that was about myself. And as I'm revealed, it's revealed to me, actually, God has given you a new heart. And before the heart was wicked and deceitful amongst all who can trust it. And now I'm dividing the Bible. I'm like, oh, that wasn't about me. It was about the old me. And the new me, he was good on his promise to give me a new heart so I can claim that. And I start like now I'm, I'm, I'm in it. I'm talking about it. And this Ephesians one, three through six, I'm reading it. I'm just letting it become, you know, who I am. That's the, it's, 
talking about how God has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ and that uh, we were ordained to be holy and blameless before him and that he predestined us for adoption through now, Jesus. Now, what you're actually talking about, Richard, is repentance. You turn from your former life and received your new one. You renounced your old person, your old ways, and you received new one. Yeah. Yeah, and, th- and this is what's going on spring of 2019. And it was, but like I said earlier, I was talking reckless. I was just wiling out, just saying things like, like, and it didn't, I didn't mind if I said something in a way that would rub somebody the wrong way. Um, because I was like, well, that's how I heard it. That's how I heard it. And so, yeah, I'm going around town. Well, just not around town, just within my friend group. And I'm, I'm talking about it and my wife is hearing it and she's cool with it. Like she hears it at the dinner table and she's cool with it. And she has to admit, uh, maybe she'll admit it later or in her podcast that she saw some kind of change in me. Um, and then we get into the summer and I get this opportunity to preach and I'm, I, I call you, I link up with you for a little bit and I find out you're going to be in Lincoln and we kind of decide we're going to meet up that weekend, a bunch of us. But I was going to preach and I was supposed to preach on Adventist education. Obviously, I'm a principal in an Adventist school. And I was like, talking to Tyler on the phone. And I was like, I don't want to preach about Adventist education, man. I just want to- What'd you end up preaching on? <laughs> I had decided I wasn't going to plan it. That I was just going to get up and go. And How'd I, that go? Uh, I wonder if the sermon is still up. Um, I could have probably gone for two hours, but I looked up at the clock and had 45 minutes had passed and I was like, oh, I need to stop. But I said a bunch of stuff. I was on fire. I mean, there was straight, it was straight passion coming out of my, my mouth. Um, and I remember two different, um, reactions to that sermon. A lady came up to me right after the sermon. And she walked up to me and she said, that is the best sermon I have ever heard in my life. And I said, well, praise the Lord. And then the main pastor came up to me and he was like, we're going to need to talk. <laughs> like, like <laughs> I'm in trouble. And I was like, yeah, man, let's do it. Let's talk. So let me pursue this right here. What yeah. is it? What is it that the main pastor wants to talk to you about? He wanted to talk to me about that. Um, it's happened and it's also happening. Like it's here, but not yet. That was, Mm -hmm. I think the theological, um, nugget that he wanted to talk to me like, yes, we have it, but not yet. And so I was like, all right, man, let's talk about it. And, and what is it that we have, but not yet? Probably righteousness. Okay. I think it was about righteousness because I think I was getting up there and saying that you're righteous. Uh, in Christ, through mm-hmm. faith, you're righteous. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I had a big fight. Did he change my, your view? Did he change my view? No. Yeah. No. Okay. We did not end up on the so same You had a big page. fight? Yeah. Well, I okay. had a big fight with my wife because uh-huh. we're about to start my second year as the principal and I don't have an English teacher. And I'm like, well, maybe my mom could be the English teacher and and she watches our kids. And so my wife is getting frustrated and we have this big fight and I try to teach her about the gospel in this big fight. 
I'm like, well, you're being scared and you're letting, you know, fear where love perfectly and perfect love casts out all fear. So why are you scared? And, yeah. and, uh, everybody, who's read the room, Richard. <laughs> everyone who's listening knows that that wasn't the right time, but I didn't know it wasn't the right time. And so uh-huh. this stuff is just slowly, slowly coming out. And, um, I call Tyler and he had just come back from doing this love reality tour. Oh, this is something that I don't think I understood, but I'll mention it now. Uh, at the beginning of that year in August, I decided I was going to fast and I was going to pray for my wife and pray for Morgan. Uh, Cause uh-huh. Tyler and I were just, and so I was going to fast for the whole month. Like I was, uh-huh. I was on some, it was just kind of different. Cause you were going to do it. You were yeah. going to do it the, the Richard Young way. The Richard Young way. And I fasted yeah. for two weeks and I was like having to move teachers in while I was fasting and I would have to hide in the corner because I was like, if I pick up another box, I'm going to pass out. Uh, it was, it was not, it was, but we were praying every day for Morgan and Natalie every single day. I would, mm-hmm. I would come out of my office and I would walk around the school on the phone with Tyler and we were just praying. And mm-hmm. then he calls me and he says that he did this love reality tour in Denver and Morgan mm-hmm. was just completely not feeling it. Yeah. And I'm just like, what, 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 what? And so this weekend comes up and I think this is probably where. So this is your fasting August of 2019. Yeah. He calls you in September of 2019, tells you that he did a love reality that Morgan was not feeling. Yeah. And at the end of September, of 2019 we all get together in lincoln yeah and um i'm seeing like an old friend from high school who is completely filled with the spirit i pick her and her husband up from the airport and we come up to lincoln and i hear her story and their story is nuts and i'm just like listening to all this stuff and i'm like man this stuff is crazy i get up there and you and i are talking and i just realized this i think yesterday that I we're sitting in the church and we're waiting for this meeting to jump off. And I'm like, Jonathan, what is Romans 7 all about? So meanwhile, in end of January 2019, I started to understand a little bit of Romans 6 and Colossians 1. We're all the way mm-hmm. in the end of September 2019, and I still don't have this understanding of Romans 7 which is if uh-huh. you're if you're unfamiliar with it it's it's Paul saying that I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do and uh-huh. you know I love Romans 6 I loved Romans 8 I love Colossians 1 I loved Ephesians 1 You didn't understand Romans 7 but I didn't understand Romans 7 and you were very simple you were just like uh what is Romans 7 was it either 7 6 or 7 5 what, or where it mm-hmm. says formerly, you said, what does that say? And I was like, well, it says formerly. And then you're like, we'll go. Well, no, nah, no. Nah. Romans 7, 5. You're like, while we were in the flesh. Yes. Our sinful passions aroused yeah, by, that, the by the law were. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah. then we go to Romans 8, 11. And 8, 9. That's what I said. Romans 8, 9. <laughs> See? <laughs> and you're like, oh, we're in the spirit. And then we go to... You, however, are not in the flesh, you're in the spirit. Right. And then I'm like, but what about Paul calling himself the chief of sinners? And then you're like, all right, let's, where, uh-huh. where's that found? And I didn't know where it was found. And you're like, go to First Timothy. And so we look at First Timothy and, you know, we read it in context. And it, I'm just saying this to show, like, 
I had still not really understood the the breadth and the depth and this whole thing. I just knew that he loved me. I just knew uh-huh. that he had taken my sin. I had I uh-huh. knew that sin had didn't have any power over me. And so let me do some speed up work. Do it for the sake of brevity. <laughs> where I mean, you know, this was going to be over two hours. It yeah, is what it is. Yeah. We're in Lincoln, and if anybody wants to catch up on what happened in Lincoln, you can go back to Tyler and Morgan's story. But while in Lincoln, the, sh- the cliff notes is Morgan gets radically and incredibly free from seemingly one moment to the next. And she gets cra- radically and incredibly free by the least, the least obvious member of our team, right? Yeah. Like, the most the, the the person who we thought keep her away from is the person she receives freedom from and from one moment to another you see a radical transformation of morgan because you've known her for the better part of seven eight years yeah. and you're looking at her and you're like yo you're literally a different person in front of me than you were 25 minutes ago yeah and and that has a deep impact on you because i remember we're there in the kitchen morgan gets free and you start you know yeah. sharing no it was it was crazy earlier that day she did not believe any of this stuff at all and when we're praying for her in the car i just remember feeling like i didn't believe that she was ever going to get it but my prayer oh bro there's a good point right here do you remember you praying for her in the car yeah i can tell that story tell the people about yeah tell that so we had dropped this day was an incredible day, actually, this, this whole day. We had dropped Jonathan off at the airport, and the, we had already had a baptism. We'd already, like, the spirit was being poured out. Keep it in the car, Richard. Keep it in the car, <laughs> Richard. <laughs> I just have to give Stay the context. Stay focused, context. Okay. Stay focused. Okay, so we're in the car. Tyler texts us that um, our friend Jayla is giving her testimony. And that Morgan is there. And so I turned to the car. I'm like, yo, we should pray for this. And my friend Eddie is like, go ahead and pray, Rich. And I'm just like, dear God, you know, and I pray this prayer like with the same kind of energy that I've always prayed. And it's just like, if you will do it, who would you please do it? And, you know, mm-hmm. if, it, if it is your will that Morgan is set free, mm-hmm. like not knowing mm-hmm. that, of course, it is his will that Morgan is set free. If it is your will. We finished the prayer and... Eddie is just like, Richard, I'm so happy that you're not offended, that you don't live with offense anymore. And I'm just like, what's he about to say? And I'm like, "Uh, what's up, dog? And he's like, that prayer didn't leave the car. Obviously, this is not a theological statement on prayer. He was just trying to make a point. And I was like, well, then show me how to do it. And he prayed this crazy, crazy, bold prayer, just like God, with the authority that you have given us with Jesus, in Jesus's name, break break Morgan's chains today. And I'm just like, oh, it was very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable to hear somebody pray with boldness like that. And I just uh-huh. admitted to God, I don't believe this. So help me with my unbelief. And then so we'll- fast forward a few hours later, and that bold prayer comes to fruition in front of you. I, it, I could not believe it. I could not believe it when, when Eddie comes out of this back room and, and he's like, go look at her. And I'm like, well, this is their private thing. And, but 
I really wanted to see. And I go back there and I see Morgan and she's crying and, and Tyler's just got this grin on his face, but he's got tear, tear stained cheeks and he's crying. And we're just like, what? Now this, again, this is the same Tyler you've known from union. Yes. This is the same Tyler you told not to take that job on the East coast. This is the same Tyler that when you guys were watching the mediocre Timberwolves basketball <laughs> team gives gospel to you. Right. This is the same Tyler that's been journeying with you and you with him this whole time. Yes. And there you are in that moment, you see his wife, who was ready to leave him transformed yeah. and it's crazy. And, uh, yeah, we, you know, obviously this story has been a huge part of the whole thing. And I can't say like, I know if you've been on this podcast from the beginning, you've heard this several versions of it, but it was the first miracle that I felt like I saw in person. And so it shook me. We were all crying. We were just, it was a year and a half or, or however, however long of journeying with this, with this dude and then praying for her and she's in the kitchen and I'm looking at her and I'm like, yo, Morgan, is this legit? And she's like, I think so. I think it's real. And no, she, no, I'm going to call you out. She was not, I think so. She, she was like, timidly she was timidly saying yeah yeah because she didn't want to make a big fuss about it remember she's in the kitchen like morgan you're literally different and she's like no i'm the same just jesus loves me like i'm the same right (laughs) yeah with the same timidity and i uh i said i turned to eddie and i'm just like man i wish i had this man's boldness and you were right there and you were like nah son you're just like you just went pressed real hard that eddie and i have the same spirit and you know i hadn't thought about it like that and i started i was like oh oh maybe you know i opened the door for that to be true and so we all prayed in the kitchen for for my wife um you me eddie um morgan and drew just stopped right there because if if morgan could get it if morgan could get it and their marriage could be healed yeah so could you and Natalie, yeah. yeah. And I don't want to step on my wife's story. I'll let her tell that story. Nah, I think I think this is a good place to deviate and leave your personal stuff aside. Yeah, we'll yeah, talk yeah. about what happened, marriage, right? But let's talk about with the last, you know, this final sort of leg of this epic podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, into the, you know, the autobiographical yeah. recounting of the life of one Richard Young. Yeah, that's right. Let's talk about Morgan becomes the physical representation of the Romans seven person Hmm. where she used to be in something. Right. And then she literally is transferred from death to life, from flesh to spirit, no longer under condemnation, but alive through Christ Jesus. And she transitions into that Romans eight woman before your eyes. Yeah. I, I think, I think knowing your journey, it seems though that that revelation and that miracle playing out in front of you really solidified just the clear distinction between what we thought God wanted for us mm-hmm. and what we had back when we were like struggling and like, oh, man, well, what was me, but I'm going to try hard. I'm going to pray hard. And the literal gift that he gave us in the person of Jesus that we couldn't work for or earn mm-hmm. and how much of a privilege it was just to walk and live in it. And when you 
leave that place. And then you have the experience that you have the week after yeah. in your personal life, yeah. which we'll get to later. I feel like that emboldens you in such a way that you just start talking about it with very clear distinction in your professional and public life. Miracles can happen now is what I came away with. Like this huge, like this door opened to all of life being supernatural. Like this was a supernatural life that I was living. And so miracles in Jesus' name can can happen and do happen. Healing can mm-hmm. happen and does happen. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, if I was, I went to 11. I was at nine before and after that weekend, now we're at 11 and I'm just. You were like your boy uh, Andy Minio, right? I'm coming in hot. I was coming in <laughs> hot. And so I was just like, yo, I cannot not talk about this thing. And in my professional life, I'm, I'm doing worships about it. I'm doing like, I'm talking to people that I probably had no business talking to about it. Um, uh, and, and actually all of this, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure led up to, uh, the end of my professional, uh, life as a, as a, as a principal. Well, hold on. Let's, let's, I, I, I actually want to double down on this because you say that you had no business talking to but I think you did have business talking to it. Just, you didn't know the consequences that were going to come up ahead. Yeah. I, I, when I think back to that time, I don't remember we were, we were really all walking and talking about discernment quite a bit. Like discernment was, was the word of the day because we actually Uh rubbed some people the wrong way. Um, uh-huh. we, um, no, we were coming in, you know, coming in hot. And so it's hard for me to say, I regret like what I said, or like my heart, my motive was right back. I, it was in the right place. 100%. Um, I obviously, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know. Well, here's here's what here's what here's here's what strikes me, Richard. Yeah, (laughs) is that up to this point in your life, it's always been do the right thing, get the right outcome. Yeah. Even though you tried to do the right thing so much and you weren't getting your outcome, but you just kept doubling down on get the right thing, get the right outcome. Right. 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 And now that you have the right thing in gospel. Did you still think that if I just say it to people in this particular way, they're going to receive it too? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, yeah, there was a valuable lesson when it comes to the things of of Christ that just because we declare it, that doesn't mean that the outcome is going to be what we think it ought to be in the natural. Like, Uh -uh. that's not how it works in the kingdom. I, I had someone that I talked to about it. And I actually talked to about it, them about it with Tyler and Morgan. And they were completely vibing and just were like tears shed, just like they were in it with us. Only to find out a few months later that they accused me of something, uh, of saying something inappropriate. Or I had somebody who I was talking to, Morgan and I went and talked to somebody about it. 
and our hearts were just like pouring out because we loved this person only to find out a few months later that that person resented us. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was, it was a, we were, we were so on fire, you know, Morgan's marriage has been changed. My life had been changed. Tyler's life. And we're in this, you know, this 200 mile radius talking about this thing to anybody we could, anybody we could get our hands on. We wanted to talk to about this thing. And there was some, there was, we just had a, a Bible study last night with a guy who at that time heard it from us. Um, but mm-hmm. there was also people that it was, they were not receiving what we were saying. Uh, and mm-hmm. it was not landing. And we were having to go through that and see what all of that was about because it sounded like mm-hmm. a symphony to our ears. It sounded like the most beautiful thing. And how could somebody not hear this as the most beautiful thing? Yet people were not hearing it as the most beautiful thing. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I was walking through that and trying to figure out, like, can't these people see, like, that everything is different and, like, that, my, that I'm different and that this whole thing is different and, and people weren't seeing it. So, yeah, having to figure that thing out, that was the end of 2019 was a learning experience. And so much so that... um my sister who loves me, she was just like, Richard, what is this? She's like, I'm hearing this thing. And so you, I remember we were all in a room back at Drew and Miley's house and we're on the phone with you and you're just like, boys, if we're not discerning this thing the right way and if we're not doing this, like learn from this, stop what you're doing. And then if it, if, it, if people are saying stuff that isn't true, then don't worry about it. But, let's use discernment and steward this thing the right way. God has given us this gift, this blessing. Let's steward it the right way. And so, yeah, 2019, Tyler and I joke about it, like how we were wilding in 2019. Um, but yeah, we, we, we needed to learn and grow and steward this blessing and this gift in, in the right way. All right, man, I'm going to ask you the straight up question. Sure. Is this for, you know, I'm just going to get real, real. Do you want to talk about, what you believe about Romans 7 and what it ended up costing you? Yeah, I mean, I could talk about that. Um, All right, so what do you believe about Romans 7? Romans 7 is this man who uh, is under the law, and he's trying to figure it out. And he, because the law is pressing up on him, um, he does things that he doesn't want to do and he doesn't do things that he wants to do. But this is, this was not about somebody who was in the spirit. It was someone who's in the flesh under the law. Um, and when I got that understanding, I was very excited about it. But when others, others did not agree with me and, um, so let me get again, yeah. real clear. You began to believe that the Romans 7 experience of I do the things I don't want to do, the things I don't want to do, is not the mindset that a spirit-led Christian should be living from. No, absolutely not. Right? Yeah, absolutely not. Because the mindset that constantly goes waffling back and forth 
is a mindset that's still affected by the flesh patterns and or might be living in the flesh. Yeah. And so you're saying that the Roman and yeah. And I, that wasn't my experience anymore. It was, it's partly because the Bible says it. And it was partly because this was not my experience. Like I stopped believing that I had to sin. I stopped believing that I was sin waiting to happen. And I started waking up and believing in the righteousness that he had given me. I, before he had offered me the robe of righteousness, and now I had put it on. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. so I wasn't dealing with this, this thing. And the Bible, you know, it, Paul is saying just a few verses later, like, this is not, this is someone in the flesh. Or, and then in Romans 8, 9, you're not in the flesh. And I remember reading that. But you stopped believing. Yeah, I couldn't even honor you God. You stopped believing. You stop believing that your destiny was to wake up and be abject failure because your sin waiting to happen every single day. But thank God for his grace. You stop believing that. Yeah. In, in the large, the big, 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 big picture of my life was this. Richard, you love God and you do have salvation but you're destined to struggle against being a bad husband and being selfish and lust and anger and all of these things until Jesus comes again. And when Jesus comes again, he'll see you and he'll say, son, I know you struggled with all that stuff, but you kept on chopping wood. You kept on trying really, really hard. And for that, welcome. And that this is, is the old uh, Richard Young way. The Richard like, Young. I, I love God, and I'm just going to try, 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 yeah. try, try. And I couldn't understand people that didn't have the discipline to try, 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 try. Like, mm. I couldn't understand them. I'm like, yo, this Jesus loves us so much, so don't give up on trying. Don't give mm-hmm. up on trying. This thing is great. Like, we'll have heaven. We'll have all of these things. And people leaving the church would drive me nuts. I'm like, you guys just don't get it. Like, this, Jesus loves us so much. We can try. Yeah. He's given us the ability to Jesus do Jesus loves us so much, we can try. <laughs> and and that that verse that says the, the righteous man falls, like, that was yeah. my verse for getting into heaven. I, I, I mean, Proverbs 24, 16. Yeah. I, I still... We I use it and I think about it in a different way now, but in, in the way that I am, I'm not a sinner, I'm righteous. But back then, it was just like, I'm a sinner and I'm in. So back then, it was saying uh-huh. I was a sinner, and now it's saying I'm righteous. So that was my life, and hopefully, um, my I would always think, well, then my sin is just going to get farther and farther apart. I'll never uh-huh. stop but he'll see the effort. He'll mm-hmm. see the effort and he'll reward me for the mm-hmm. effort. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and part of me, like when I wasn't sinning, like mm-hmm. that pride would come in for the effort. Self-righteousness would come in because of the effort. So the effort, you're like, look at 60 days yeah. and, 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 oh. and no porns. Yeah. That, that was, that was a great day because now I'm, I'm mm-hmm. the man. So it was, it was self-righteousness. So the effort was always a good thing. And now, like when I realized that it wasn't about effort, it wasn't about trying, it wasn't about striving, that freedom, like, I mean, you've heard the story I just told you, the Richard Young do it the right way. Um, I wasn't worn out yet, but I was going to get worn out. 
I mean, dog. I said we call that that the Richard Young ruler. <laughs> <laughs> I I wasn't tired yet, but I'm sure there would have been a point. Maybe if my marriage would have fallen apart and dissolved. Um, but what about now? What about now? Now, um, yeah. What's the what's the difference, especially as it relates to say the jumping off point we're using Romans seven. Yeah, that that is not my experience, and that is that should not be the experience of a Christian. Because, well, number one, if we understand the whole, the context of Romans 7, Romans 6 is our, our relationship with sin. Romans 7 is our relationship with the law. And if we understand that, and that was the thing, back to when I'm listening to you preach the Love Reality Tour at Campion, that I was trying mm-hmm. to get my head around. Like mm-hmm. the whole law thing. Because I am an Adventist. Okay, I don't say Adventist because I'm an Adventist. I've got it the right way, you know. I've, I've, mm-hmm, my family mm-hmm. is Adventist. You know, we've been, my, mm-hmm. my grandfather is an Adventist minister. My uncles are Adventist ministers. Like, we are Adventist. And I really didn't even know my relationship with the law as somebody in Christ. I didn't mm-hmm, understand mm-hmm. it. And when you were pressing that in the, in your, in the love reality tour at Campion, I was just, I had to hear what you were going to say. Cause I, I don't think I was going to be able to listen to the, what else you were saying. If, if what about this law? What about the Sabbath? What about, Could, because again, to frame it, Adventists have a high reverence for the law. And I think justified least so sure. because the right, the law, the, the law is uh holy, righteous and good. Right. right. But one of the, because we have such higher reverence for the law, one of the ditches we fall into is that we can't accept or understand that we're not under the law. Right. Because when we hear we're not under the law, we think, oh, well, then the law's not useful for anything. We're just tossing it out. And that's never what the conclusion is, but that's what we fear. I didn't understand that the law had done its thing for me, that the law yeah. had shown me what the law was supposed to show me, and that was that I couldn't keep it perfectly. And that had pointed yeah. me to the one who did keep it perfectly. And now because he did, I am no longer under it, but I am in Christ. And now, you know, Second Peter 1, I think he's given me access to divine nature. You know, yeah. now Titus, what is it, Titus 2, that he says that grace is showing me how to live. And so, yeah, yeah, two. And, and so before that, I didn't know what to do with that. So if we're really reading Romans 7 and we get to 7, 5, and it says that we're not under it, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? If we're getting to Timothy 1, verse 8, what does that mean? What does that mean? If you don't understand, and you have to understand your righteousness. You actually have to believe that you get the robe, and the robe, you can put it on. You don't have to set the robe aside until Jesus comes back and that when he's coming in the clouds of glory, then you can throw it on. He, he, uh-huh. he put it on the kid who came back, not because the kid did anything. And, uh-huh. and so me understanding that everything I've ever gotten in life is from birth. You know, I was born uh-huh. into sin, yet I hadn't sinned when I was born into it, uh-huh. but I was born into a sinful world, therefore becoming a sinner. Uh-huh. And then I was born into righteousness righteousness not because i did any righteous works um but i was born into it so um yeah understanding so now, that about Romans now you're born again yes sir 100 from a principle above not of the flesh but of the spirit that that was uh that is my life 
And so, yeah. Transferred from darkness to light. Death to life, man. And since then, my life has been crazy. I, I don't have to go all into the, the story about how uh, I'm no longer working uh, at the school. Um, but I'll just say that, um, you know, God in his love, just on a personal note, he had weighed me in the balances and no, and he knew exactly what I could handle. He knew exactly what I could take. And he knew that I had received his love. And so he entrusted me with, with more and with more, usually with more there, there comes suffering. And so I was saddened, but I was never discouraged and I had come into a community of people who were going to lift me up and not allow me to feel bad for myself. Because any time in my life that I've started feeling bad for myself, that is when problems arose. Or yeah. me looking at something I didn't want to look at or me being self-centered is when you're feeling bad for yourself. And so, yeah. Here's what I like about the way your story has uh, got to at this point is that for so much of your life, you thought you had the right strategy, the right tools, and that it was just, you can, you can do this and be that. You can do this and be that, right? Yeah. Put the strategy on this tool on. The, the Richard Young way, the Young's way, the right way. Right. This is the way I'm going to do it. Yeah? Yeah. And then when you finally got the revelation of truth, as it is in Jesus, that he came to liberate us from the power of sin. That he had, and what he came to do, he actually has done, right? Right. And and when you receive that as a gift, when you receive that, Richard, that, and this is me knowing you now as a brother for the last several years, that you have been freed from the expectation of having things work out to prove that you're doing things the right way, hmm. because. Your life is one and your most recent life is you ended up getting fired from a job because you were proclaiming this here gospel that you've just stated mm -hmm. and people got, uh, they had a point of difference with you. Yeah. And so you, you did not get what the right thing ought to get. <laughs> and yet I know, and you and I know that you have so much more. Absolutely. Yeah. Would you, knowing what you know now, would you change anything about how you did things? I, um, I, it, it's hard. I probably wouldn't, man. I probably wouldn't. I mean, when I think about how I treated my wife, like if we're going to go mm -hmm. not... I have godly sorrow. I have sorrow for how I treated my wife. I have sorrow for, yep. for that I didn't love her even though I said I was going to in my vows. Um, but the main reason is because I didn't understand how much I was loved. I didn't understand mm. it. I was searching for something that I already had. Validation. Mm. Affirmation. I was searching for it from a human when I had it from the creator of the universe. Mm. So do I regret being unloving? Yeah. I, I've, I've sorrow for mm -hmm. that. I don't beat myself up for it anymore because she has forgiven me. Um, and mm -hmm. I, and I believe her. 
and when it comes to what I did toward, you know, in the last, in 2020, end of 2019, um, you know, I can rack my brain and say, I, I should have said it like this or should have done it like that mm-hmm. because there are people that I love, love, like I actually love that, mm-hmm. you know, haven't heard it or didn't hear it or, or maybe because of old Richard, old Richard was a, was a smoke screen for them not to be able to see it. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then I, I guess there's sorrow that, they couldn't hear it from me, but not really taking it personally. So I guess the, the I, I wish I could say, no, there's no regrets. I would have done it the same way. Um, but that would also mean that I haven't learned anything. Um, I have learned a ton. I've been growing in discernment. And one of the knocks about me was that uh, Richard is, he can't learn. He's too prideful mm. to learn. That's mm-hmm. something that they said about me on my way out, that I'm too prideful to learn and that mm-hmm. he will never learn. Um, and I don't believe that's true about me at all um, I, because Christ has given me humility, actual humility. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, in many ways, I don't regret the the big picture the big picture I don't regret mm-hmm. at all, but any time I've ever hurt someone or been in the way of them actual hearing good gospel, um, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, I would, I'd want to take that one back for sure. Mm-hmm. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Mm-hmm. Amen. No, it's perfect sense, man. We, uh, yeah, absolutely. For, for every time we let self and our sense of, of this thing get in the way of it actually being received, we turn and pronounce that. Yeah, we don't well, want to create any obstacle. I think that's what Paul says. Like one of the most important things you can do is get out of the way of people mm-hmm. get, receiving this this mug. So I don't, I'm not mm-hmm. sure if he used the word mug or what mug is in Greek. No, nah, I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how, how you translate mug into the Greek. Yeah. But uh, all right. Well, Richard, I mean, thank you for letting me uh, guest host, and uh, I hope this thing works out as <laughs> your podcast. Uh, from death to life in Jesus name. Yeah, man. Well, I want to thank you and, as, uh, as many of the listeners know, this is Jonathan Leonardo. I'm just going to introduce him this late into the podcast. Uh, and <laughs> one day we'll hear your story. And, um, if we think about the whole, if we think, if we just back up and look from 2000 feet and see what God uh-huh. has done, um, uh-huh. I can't, you getting a revelation of God's love for you, however, back when, and that whole story has, mm-hmm. uh, God used it to change my life. Um, mm-hmm. and just, just like, I just think of it as a huge privilege that we get to do this thing and we get to walk together as brothers. Um, mm. but man, if we really think about what he's done and we really just go back, um, it's kind of like we just all want to get together and rejoice, have Christian on the guitar, have Tyler on the keys, have everybody just mm-hmm. singing and just, just if it wasn't, if, if the love reality tour or the love as love reality as a ministry didn't exist, 
I'd still want to get together with everybody and praise God for what he's done. (laughs) Of course, man, because even if the ministry didn't exist, the agreement does because the spirit alive in us is a real thing. You know, that's why that's why I I tell people, man, I I ain't afraid to we're not afraid to let this thing just die because what we're actually stewarding done die. Yeah. Like, no. I mean, like the ministry itself, it can go, you can blow it up in smoke, but his was not good. Like, that's why I love that uh, King of Kings uh, joint from Hillsong, right? Yeah. You know, you know that, and the spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not faint. Right? Like, yo, Jesus, Holy Spirit lit the flame. This gospel truth of old will not kneel. It will not faint. Like it takes it bows to no one. Like Jesus is Lord. That's it. And this ain't getting put back in no box because he stepped out that box and he said, I'm alive. And since he's alive, like you could tear us down. You could tear these bodies down. And Jesus is still Lord. We are free in his name. He is the savior of all men, especially those who believe. So just go ahead and believe already. That's like it. this is what we got, right? And you said earlier you were like, "Yo, when I was listening to your ministry," but you can't use that sentence anymore because it's ours. It's our ministry. Love it. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate. Love you, you man. Love you, bro.
I got people with me on the other side. Spirit on me too bright, I see they tryna ride. Coming out for the night, yeah, they stack come alive. Coming out for the fight, yeah, we stay alive. They stay alive, ayy. Hey.